Advent is all about hope. The word Advent means coming or arrival, and the season is traditionally a time of expectation, waiting, anticipation, longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming Messiah, to celebrate his birth, to be ready for his second coming. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus' coming, while at the same time looking forward in hopeful and eager anticipation for the coming of Christ's kingdom. During Advent, we wait for both. It's an active, assured, and hopeful waiting. Far too often, our Christmases have become frenzied and overwhelmingly busy. We pack our schedules with so many seasonal happenings. Stores start pushing Christmas decor and merchandise and fueling the gift-buying frenzy in October. Our season of peace is quickly overloaded as a season of stress. But Advent is an opportunity to set all of that aside. Advent is a time to prepare our hearts and to help us place our focus on a far greater story than our own. The story of God's redeeming love for this world. It's not a season of pretending to be happy or covering up pain of the past year that we've experienced or that we continue to experience. It's a season of digging deep into the reality of what it means that God sent his son into this world to be Emmanuel, God with us. It's a season of expectation, preparation, an opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence more than just the hectic season of presence. So wherever you are on your level of 2021 anxiety and uncertainty, whether you or wherever you are on your own spiritual journey, I invite you into this season of Advent. I'd like to even suggest that in the craziness and uncertainty and a pandemic, we have been given a gift. We have been given the opportunity to rediscover the meaning of Christmas. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be exploring the attributes of Christ found at his birth and during the Christmas season. Hope, peace, joy, and love. On Christmas morning, we will celebrate the arrival of Jesus. Today, we begin by rediscovering the hope of Christmas. 
even when we are surrounded by uncertainty. And as we explore the themes of Advent over the next four weeks, we'll see how they relate and how they're exemplified in different characters for the biblical Christmas story. But first, let me cover a little background about the time that these stories happened in biblical times. See, we think we have it bad today. But they had it pretty bad in Israel in the days of the Bible. They could even make a good case that during the time of Jesus, when they, like much of the world, were a defeated nation under the thumb of the Roman Empire, that theirs was worse. It was a harsh day to live in, a time of conquest and brutality. It had been thousands of years since the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the calling out of God's people. It had been thousands of years of being invaded and conquered by enemies like the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the massive empires of the Greeks and the Romans. It had been generation after generation since the formation of God's covenant, promising a Messiah to make things right, to bless humans and to restore all that we humans had messed up since God's perfect creation. The fulfillment of God's covenant the coming of the Messiah who would come to make everything right wasn't just a happy idea that drifted in and out of their consciousness. It was their deepest hope that sustained them. It encouraged them. It spurred them on, especially through thousands of years of uncertain How long, O oh God, was a cry of the ancient Israelite people. How long can hope survive? You ever said that for yourself? Most of the time, we end the Christmas story narrative with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus in the stable. The shepherds come and visit and go back to their flocks in the field, and we sneak the wise men into the nativity, even though they actually weren't there, because it's more convenient to get everyone together for a, for a photo and then sing Silent Night and all go home. But I'd like for, this, for us this morning to look a little more closely at the next scene in Luke's story, specifically the characters of Simeon and Anna. Because we often don't talk about them when it comes to the Christmas story. So I'm going to begin in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38, where it says, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, 
there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord, Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Not very nice to say, but she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She had never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna were sparks of hope in Israel. They were torches of hope expecting God to come through and do what he had promised. They believed it. They were waiting for it. Now, both Simeon and Anna had, had lived long lives. They had seen and experienced many things, both hardship for their people and pain in their own lives. Anna specifically had been a widow for decades, a position of extremely low social status at that time. Both Simeon and Anna had remained faithfully devoted to God. They were ready to see God act and to do great things. Did you notice in Luke's account that neither Simeon nor Anna seemed the least bit surprised or uncertain about the fact that this baby was a long-promised Messiah. Almost everyone else in the Christmas story so far 
took a little convincing about the whole arrangement. Many of them had to, had to have an angel appear to them with a heavenly announcement to convince them that this was, in fact, the Messiah. Now, maybe God knew that being of advanced age, Simeon and Anna might not be able to take an angel appearance. But I think it's more than that. I don't think God didn't need an angel to get the message to these two faith giants. They were ready. They were tuned in. They were waiting. They were watching. They were listening. They were expecting. They were filled with hope. And that hope made them ready. Day after day, year after year, Simeon and Anna had served God faithfully, inspired and fueled by the hope that God was at work. Even though they couldn't see it, they knew he was at work. Even if they were surrounded by hardship, even as time passed and they grew older and older, Simeon and Anna held on to that hope. They fostered new and renewed hope as they set their focus on God, worshiping him, serving him, serving others, taking one step faithfully at a time as they waited. Of course God came through, they might have said. This is what he said he would do. The Messiah is here. They rejoiced and celebrated and infused new hope into the people around them, including Mary and Joseph, who were still trying to figure out exactly what it meant to be the earthly parents of Jesus. Simeon and Anna reveal several things about hope and its power that we can take away and apply to our lives. Number one, hope sees beyond. Hope is the fuel of faith and dreams possibilities. Hope is that whisper of maybe, just maybe. It's a spark in the cold darkness that catches flames. It's the flicker of first light on a new morning. No matter how bad your year has been, no matter what kinds of problems and struggles you are facing right now. No matter what kind of season of darkness and pain that you are in, let me encourage you to not abandon hope. Hope is still alive. Even in the deepest pain, in the most helpless of circumstances. Hope chases away the darkness and uncertainty. Hope is alive because God is with us. Romans 8 is a well-known chapter in the Bible, but there's a section of it that often gets overlooked. Paul starts off clarifying that there is no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
He then explains our relationship as God's children and what it looks like to live by God's Spirit. Then he shifts to our future when God will fulfill his work in us and restore all of creation. In verses 24 through 26, he says this, For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Let me reread a part of that again. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? See, hope exists before reality comes to pass. You can hope with all of your heart that I have a $100 bill in my pocket and I'm going to give it to one of you. You can think about it. You can expect it. You can tell yourself to keep believing that it's going to happen. You can hope that you're going to be $100 richer walking out of this church today. But as soon as I tell you I have no $100 bill in my pocket, hope is gone. There's no need for it. You can't keep hoping it will happen when it already has or can't happen. Hope precedes our present reality. Hope by its very nature exists in the uncertainty before an event happens. Hope is the willingness and the desire to believe beyond what our present circumstances and reality are presenting to us. And I like how this verse ends in verse 26. I included it because I think it's important. It says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Which leads to the second point we can learn from Simeon and Anna. God is with us here, now, and always. For with God, there is no uncertainty. God knows your pain. He knows your challenges and your struggles. He was not taken by surprise when a new coronavirus mutated and spread and went global. He was not surprised when the economy froze and sunk. He was not surprised when you or your loved one got that dreaded diagnosis that call in the middle of the night or heard the words that broke your heart or shattered your world and left you in confusion and uncertainty. He sees you. He is here. He's Emmanuel, God with us. This is a hope that infuses within us. It's a hope filled and fanned within us by God's Spirit, even in our weaknesses. 
even in our grim circumstances, in our deepest pain, when the faintest gleam of hope seems too far away or even impossible, when we feel too weak to carry on, when we feel our grasp slipping on even the ability to try and hope, maybe even a little more personally, when I question whether my time and usefulness leading this church is over. His Spirit is with us. His Spirit helps us to restore hope by reminding us of God's faithfulness and His promises in the past. Our God, our Emmanuel has promised his people throughout history and us today messages of hope including these Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future Isaiah 43, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you. Do you feel the hope in those words? We are not alone. Even in our loneliness and darkest moments, we're not alone. Christ has come. Our God is with us every step of the way. The third point, hope inspires us to carry on. See, Paul described the cycle of hope like this. In Romans 5, he says, because of Jesus, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, the hope from God's Spirit will not let us down. It will not disappoint us. Instead, it gives us new and growing strength to see beyond the pain beyond the confusion that's in front of us. That first step is the hardest. Isn't that true for many of the things for us? Isn't that true for hope? It can be so hard to lift our downcast, tear-filled eyes to look for that tiny spark of hope when we feel swallowed by our pain. 
It can seem so difficult to reach beyond our troubles and to grasp our Lord's outstretched hand. It can feel impossible if you take that first step towards hope when we are weighed down by our burdens. But when we receive the promise of hope in God's word, we find new strength. When we accept the power of hope granted to us in God's spirit, we find new inspiration. When we focus on the power of hope embodied in the birth, life, death, resurrection, return, and eternity with Jesus, we discover new strength, the strength that it takes to take that first step, and then to take another one, and another one, to keep walking, maybe even running, one step at a time. Hope inspires us. Hope emboldens us. Hope builds upon hope and keeps us going, no matter what. So let me ask this question. What is your next step of hope today? See, we want to know what happens tomorrow. We want to know the future. We want to skip to the end of the story. But our lives don't, doesn't work like that. But in Christ, we have been given the end of the story. The end of the ultimate story. So in this Advent season, we can find hope in the arrival and the life of Jesus. We can draw hope from God's faithfulness in fulfilling his long-awaited promise of the Messiah. We can focus on the hope of God's continued work in and around all of us. And in the midst of whatever life is throwing at us, we can experience the God, the hope of God's Spirit within us, carrying us, strengthening us, emboldening us, and giving us the strength to take that next step before us. My invitation to you this morning is to take a step towards hope this Advent season. Hope is dawning. Christ is coming. He's returning again soon. Let us welcome Him into our hearts, into our lives, every day in this season of expectation. Heavenly Father, Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.